0: IT'S THE SUPER NINETIES BROTHERS!!! Alright, pal. You know the routine. Assume the position. I sniff you, you
1: sniff me. Hey, 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 where are you going? Hey, did I say you could go? Come back here. Hey, what about that hair? What, do you stick your tongue in a toaster? Ah!
0: Oh, Chance, you really are a bulldog, aren't you? I was just curious.
1: Welcome to the Super 90s Brothers. Bow ow. Where we do hazy memory riffs on the most doggone decade ever. I'm your host, Brennan Pointer, along with me is my co host, Adam J. Pitzler. And today we're talking about Homeward Bound. Bow ow. You're not going to believe this, Adam, but I'm actually not looking forward to this episode
0: you look forward to all of our episodes is a conversation with your boy
1: <laughs> no i'm just i am joking i just i feel like i've been saying that so much lately and i i really wanted to you know not say that this time i i am looking forward to it so your
0: joke to your joke to the audience was you're not looking forward to doing the episode that they're probably looking forward to listening
1: yes exactly everyone's i mean everyone's looking forward to hanging out with us right it's now hilarious joke Brennan. Uh, hilarious because you know what we don't do enough of adam we don't do a dog episodes. <laughs> we don't do enough dog episodes, which I think was a very popular, uh, very very popular genre in the nineties. But uh, we don't do a lot of kids movies. Like we do, you know, I, I, every here and there. But like, I love me a kids movie. It's something I can like share with my share with my children and watch, make them cry to Homeward Bound. So
0: I, I I'll do the good kids movies. I don't want to do a kids movie just to do it though right well, i don't like kids as much as you or really anybody
1: you know we we have not done a lot of disney movies yet so we you know we can
0: eh, we've done a few
1: we've done i guess we've done a few I, it's, what's funny is like i always text him like have we done this movie yet like well, it's a little in- offensive like how do you not remember my great zingers I I don't I I block it out I just block out all the episodes. Do you ever
0: re Do you ever re listen to our shows? Of course not. Of
1: course I don't you, listen. You don't. I mean, I listen to the shows when I edit them, and then I might listen to them every once in a while. But like, you know what is it is fun about going back and listening to them is that I I do like I do laugh. I do genuinely laugh when I listen to our podcast, and everyone else should be laughing as well, don't you think?
0: Hilarity ensues on the Super Nineties Bros.
1: Yeah, and uh yeah, and I, I think if you if you're laughing along right now, you know,
0: go review us, right, Adam? Yeah, laughs are good, reviews are even better. Check us out, give us those awesome dog and doggy reviews, Snoop Doggy Dog reviews at uh, Apple iTunes Music. Give us those five stars, that's what we want. Uh email the show, Super 90s brothers, all spelled out at gmail.com. Tweet us at Super Nineties Brothers, Brennan is at Spocast Pods with a K. My shit's at adampitzler.com. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a 90s topic you haven't heard yet, but check out our vast library first to make sure we haven't already done it yet and not forget, like Brennan, we've done over 82 episodes now, Brennan.
1: Wow, I I haven't been keeping track, so...
0: Well, it, there's a that. number listed in our in our show on Apple iTunes Music, so it just tells me I don't keep track either. And we've deleted a few because the audio sucked. We deleted, so we're, we're probably close to 90.
1: We've deleted a couple, and we've but we've also like... I did repost one. We had a best of Super 90s Brothers when I was like, we need to re-release uh, uh, Sliders. So Sliders Slider. is one of our best episodes. Uh, so you can go check that episode out as well. So, sliders
0: is also a very popular appetizer.
1: They are very. He, sliders are everywhere when you go out and get food. They're just everywhere. They're good. Yeah. It's, a, it's like you want to have a burger, but you don't want to eat a whole burger. You just want a little baby burger. And get a slider.
0: Yeah. Um, so if you guys like sliders, um, (laughs) yeah, I'm sure you're gonna love this movie. And uh but before we get to the movie, we wanna set the scene, we wanna put you in the mindset of February nineteen ninety three, which is when this movie came out. So everyone close their eyes for a moment. Travel back in time, picture yourself, it's the very beginning of 1993, Bill Clinton just got sworn into office as our 42nd president, the Buffalo Bills become the first franchise ever to lose three straight Super Bowls, and the radio starts playing. It's the tunes of the time, oh yeah! Tunes of the time, yeah!
1: That was a number 28 song in the U.S. at the time, Hip Hop parade from Naughty by Nature. Ow. Oh, man. That was... I feel like we, we, we've we recently done a Naughty by Nature song, right?
0: We did Other People's Privates, which most people know as OPP. Yes. I was like... And we found out that, that we're not as down with OPP as we thought after <laughs> we learned those lyrics.
1: Yes. But we are all about the Hip Hop
0: Hooray, right? Yeah, I, I wrote in the show notes that white people really like this song because it was something we could actually follow the dance moves to.
1: <laughs> is that, I guess that's true. It's the
0: arm swaying. Yeah, yeah, it's like all you do is sway your arms back and forth. I mean, like, is, is that really a dance move? Can, is that really a dance move? Well, it, I guess that's a bit of a stretch to call it a dance move, but it was a, we could blend in with the crowd
1: this is a staple of going to a sports game and like hip hop parade is always going on at, at, at sporting events. Uh, white people dancing to hip hop music.
0: Yeah. I remember a lot of like high school, like, uh, NBA best volume jams, like stuff like that. Like how to, how to pump up the volume jams hit number two, Mm. like, um, middle school girls, basketball, you know, between timeouts, this, this song would play.
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely... I'm not sure if this was on a Jock Jams album. Do you remember Jock Jams? It was like... Yeah,
0: that was actually what I was Oh, that's what you're talking for. about? Thank
1: okay, you. yeah, I had Jock Jams. I used to listen to that album over and over again playing NBA, like, like, as like, NBA, EA Sports, okay. NBA. No, not NBA Jam, but I would play, like, five-on-five. Five. Like, this is, like, on my Super Nintendo. And it was, like, yeah, I would listen to Jock Jams and play basketball. So.
0: that's um that's very 90s. that's really uh that's as quintessential 90s as it gets. Um, so hip-hop hooray the video is like a freestyle camera walking around in the projects. It's an intercut with these these super extreme close-ups of the rapper's mouths. There's all these like little kids in winter big winter coats. Some of them don't really seem to know what's going on, but some of them are like really into it in the video. There's this one little like 5-year-old kid in like all blue and he's especially badass. He's all like too cool for school for most of the video and then he like randomly starts twerking at one point. Like he's he's cooler than me.
1: He definitely is cooler than you, Adam. I and mean, that's that's yeah,
0: not not a that's not a tall bar to jump
1: over. <laughs> uh yeah, it's just a it's a tr- it's a pretty typical like rap video from the nineties. Like there's not much going on. There's, there's
0: but rap they're like, culture they're like in the project. They're like yeah. in the projects though. Yeah. The, the setting reminded me of the HBO show, the wire, which was set in Baltimore. Have you seen the wire, Brennan? You know, I've watched a couple episodes of the wire. I've
1: never. So no. And so no. I mean, i watched like, it was one of those things. Like I missed the boat on it, obviously back in early two thousands. And then, you know, you hear about it, like everyone's watching it. Everyone's like, it's they're one of the f- best TV shows of all time. So you go back and watch it and you just like, I just don't, you did. I just, you, it would probably have been 10 years removed from when it came out. And I was like, I, I'm good.
0: I think so, that show is timeless. I think that's like one of the best TV shows ever made. Mm, I I mean, I, I should, love the, wire.
1: I should definitely watch the wire and the Sopranos, which I have not done. So
0: yes, you should. Um, so did th- did this song introduce the hey ho arm wave, or did they steal it from somewhere else? To your knowledge, had you seen the hey ho arm wave before this?
1: Oh, man, that's a great question. Like the arm, like I, I don't know. I feel like the arm wave was something that people would do it, like you do it at concerts, like to songs, like to like the beat of the song. Like it had to be, it, it has to be like rap culture, where like because that's like a very much like an MC thing that you know they. you you do to work the crowd like get your arms up in the air and wave them back and forth and like but did this song introduce it i do not know like i would love to do the research on it but i'm i didn't do it so you know
0: maybe they ripped it off from ymca from the village people and just kind of made it a little more urban
1: yeah i mean i i think the arm wave is just a very it's a staple in you know going to concerts too like it's just it's just you you always do it when you like go to a beat i did it at a i went to a rock show the other night and uh did an arm wave to a song, you know? So, yeah, maybe they were the originators, but I, I doubt it. In
0: the video, Queen Latifah shows up for a hot minute, which I noticed, and then at the very end of the video, there's all these dudes, like, squaring off, and it looks like there's gonna be, like, a gangland shooting, but then they just all pull out squirt guns and paintball guns and fuck around.
1: You know, trying to be approachable, Adam, you know? Trying to, like... I guess. Defunct, defunct or get, you know, they were, you know... They were trying to be hard, but then they were like... We actually have fun. We make songs called hip hop hooray. And other okay. people's privates. Well,
0: <laughs> it was a twist, that's for sure. Um, um so if you like other people's privates or hip hop hooray. <laughs> speaking of and speaking of hip hopping around, today we're talking about some really furry critters hip hopping over mountains through rivers and all over the place in homeward bound. Ah!
1: Oh man. And this is This is such a nostalgia movie for me. I, my, my brothers, who I've talked about on this podcast a lot, were of the age of Homeward Bound was out and like they were, they loved watching this movie. We had it on VHS. It was a staple in the Pointer House.
0: We were of the age. I mean, it came out when we were like nine. Well, yeah. I mean, we had just turned nine.
1: Oh, you're, we were of the age, but like, you know, like when you have, when I, when you have younger brothers and you are being inundated with Barney and all that stuff, like a younger, like if I had, if I was the youngest, I would probably be like, yeah, I'm much, I'm a kid, but like you feel old when you have younger siblings. Um, okay. And I definitely always was trying to be cool at him. Like I, it wasn't cool to like, you know, Failed. homeward bound or, you know, power rangers you know like you you couldn't like those things at my age because like there were there were kitty things but i was in fourth grade when pa- power rangers came out like of course i should like power rangers but
0: power no we were too old for power rangers it was stupid
1: i mean i miss pokemon Homer... i mean i didn't do pokemon and you like you did pokemon were you too old for pokemon
0: or well, you... i liked the video game mm. i mean it's a good video game i don't care what everybody says i didn't like get into the trading cards all that shit but yeah like the video game was cool Anyway, I'm um, back to Homeward Bound. Do you remember? Do you remember your first viewing experience? Because I do.
1: I'm gonna let you go first because I, I don't really remember. Maybe what you have to say will help jog my memory.
0: We saw in the theater in Frederick Way, and I was with my mom and my older sister, who was probably 15 at the time, and we were also with her other half brother, Charlie. Mm. who was maybe four or five. And I remember we all shared this big thing of popcorn, me and my sister, Carissa and Charlie. And I didn't see Charlie a lot because he wasn't my brother. He was my sister's other half brother. Mm. And I wouldn't say that I was like territorial or anything, but like I was clearly the best half brother because we had like, you know, (laughs) grown up in the same house together and she and this other like outsider didn't. Anyway, what I remember is that we shared this big bowl of popcorn and Charlie like slobbered all over it, just like fucking chance in the movie. It was disgusting. I didn't want any of his slobbered corn. (laughs) And I remember thinking that the movie suited Charlie the most of all of us, but I also remember liking it a lot. Like, I think it's funny. Like there's a lot of really funny witty lines in this movie.
1: Yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was a staple. Like I said, it was a staple in our house. Like, I don't remember I definitely saw it in the movie theater. I don't remember. I don't remember the experience of seeing it in the theater, but I just remember watching it all the time on VHS with my brothers and like because it was just something that we would always put in because it was such a, it's just a just an easy watch. Like there's so much. It it's a really good, well paced movie, and it was yeah, it was always it was always enjoyable to watch. And you know, dogs are always like a really dogs and cats are always you know they're a fun fun thing to watch in, in a movie like there's there's not enough dog and cat movies honestly
0: i i just remember really liking it. i remember thinking it was funny i mm-hmm. liked it more than i thought it was i thought it was going to be kind of like too kitty mm-hmm. like ren ten ten or some really mm. like dorky shit at the time uh, but it wasn't it was it, it had humor for us intellectual nine-year-olds
1: <laughs> D- definitely I, I i also remember this being one of the first times when I was a kid that I recognized someone's voice like as a, like, uh, like a celebrity voice. Like I knew that was Michael J Fox. And I also knew it was Sally field because of Mrs. Doubtfire. And like, so it was very like, and I think it really opened me up to like when other movies came out, like other cartoons or any that had voiceover, like of noticing like, Oh, who is that? And it's something I do now, like where I, I always have to be like, you know who voice that is, Abby? And she's like, I don't want to know Vernon. And I'm like, and, but like, it, it is you one of those You tell her things. anyway? But I tell her anyways.
0: <laughs> yeah. She's like, I don't want to know Vernon. You're like, well, too bad. I'm talking.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it. I think it's also, it's one of those movies that like, I've, it comes up all the time in my life. Like I've watched it with Abby. I've watched it with my kids. Like it's just, it's a movie I go back to and I can always enjoy.
0: Yeah. So why don't you give us my favorite part of the show then? Brennan's bad synopsis.
1: Oh man. I, I've been thinking about this. I, I was trying to prep to watch this movie and I, I set my kids in down in front of the TV to watch it. And then I just like walked away and I was like, I'll come back. And then, because I've I've watched this movie enough to to be able to tell us tell the tell the plot of it right. At least I so forgot to
0: watch it. Is so, what you're saying
1: step like I just, but I'm not going to give a step by step, you know, synopsis this time. I'm going to try to be a little bit more vague. You know, and not give it the entire plot away with like you can give uh, the an, plot away. It's okay. It's not, not a very complicated not the, plot. Not the plot, but the in like in depth. So basically you got, you got some very deep either.
0: Like go nuts.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Like, I
0: don't want to give away the really deeper points of dogs and cats running through the forest <laughs> and making jokes.
1: <laughs> uh, so basically there's these, there's two dogs and a cat. Uh, it's, it's sassy chance. And then it's uh, the, the, the golden retriever um, golden. Re- <clears throat> excuse it's me. A, it's a good start, Bernadette. It's, and the golden retriever, uh, uh, shadow. And And they're all like the counterparts of these other, of these three kids. And they, they love their dogs and they, you know, the movie starts out and, um, the mom and dad are getting married. These kids, mom and dad, I'm guessing it's a stepfather. They're getting married. And, and like, Hijinks are happening at the wedding. Like Chance gets into the cake, and Sassy is being a bitch, and Shadow is just trying to like part wisdom on everyone, and and that's kind of like laying the groundwork. Like you know, like Chance is like he's the he's he's miss he's gets into everything. He's a he's a mischief dog. He's he's a pup. He's a puppy. Yeah, and then you know, Sassy is a she's a cat. She's not a people person. She kind of like. She, she's a cat. I don't really get cats, but like she's definitely that type of cat who doesn't like care about anybody. And then yeah, like I said, shadow every is, cat. Sha- shadow is the loyal do- golden retriever, and he's this he's the best dog in the world. Um, the
0: stalwart.
1: And so, so, so since they this family's, you know, they're getting married, and they are leaving where they live, and they're moving to San Francisco. Um, and because they're moving to San Francisco, they have to go board their dogs at their friends' um, ranch and and it, it's really sad and they can't take their dogs and cats and it you know it's it, the the kids are sad but you know they're gonna leave them at this farm and the, the dogs and the and sassy are gonna be very happy but you know, the dogs don't understand the cat and Sassy. I'm really I keep on saying dogs and cats. I don't want I just don't want to say all their names. But so like the pets, I'll just call them the pets. Uh, you know, they don't really understand why their family's leaving. They they are confused. Like, are they leaving them at this ranch forever? What's going on? And you know, Shadow, being the voice of reason, is like, no, they're gonna come back. This happens, and but. Chance is like, no, they're, they're gone. Like I've been in a, I, I, I've been in the pound. Like this is what happens to dogs. Like the owners leave and then you go into the pound. Like, and so chance convinces shadow that uh, that they should run, they should go find their owners. Um, that's not what happened. Is that's not what happens? No. that what happens? No. What happens Shadow, like... Shadow.
0: He's like... Shadow. Something's
1: not right here.
0: Like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Shadow thinks that uh, they got accidentally abandoned and he's going to go find the kids. Shadow, like, leads the charge, not Chance. Chance wants to hang out there and chase chickens.
1: Oh, okay. So this is great. Perfect. Uh, Perfect. Perfect. So the dogs leave to go find their... (laughs) To go find their... the 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 pets leave to go find their owners. And... I wish mean, you all
0: could see Burnett's face. He's getting so flustered. Already.
1: I just like, I don't really know where to go from here. Like they go and they, they're in like go the wilderness. Like they're in, they're, 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 I, they're trying to get to San Francisco, I guess, but they, <laughs> I, they, no, they have some sense of where they're going. Apparently. I I don't know so how they try they, to get
0: home. They're trying to get they're home. Trying to go to San Francisco.
1: But no, but aren't they trying to go to like the, they get to the
0: new home. Isn't that correct? They're going to the new no, place where they live,
1: or they go back no, to the they're old going home.
0: They're going back to the old place. This doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't ever really address what the family's doing in San Francisco <laughs> for a few weeks after the wedding. Right. All we know is they're going to San Francisco. The dad has business there. He's like an architect or something. And he brings the whole family with him to San Francisco right after the wedding. And they drop the dogs off at the ranch, but their intent is to go home at some point. And yeah. the animals leave the ranch and go home. They don't go to San Francisco.
1: Gotcha, huh? I guess I'm. I knew I do know part of the plot is that the family is like moving to San Francisco. Like they, it's they, called Homeward Bound, not
0: Bay Area Bound. <laughs> like they go home, buddy.
1: You need to go watch the movie because this whole plot of the family. They're definitely moving. There's a reason why they're going there because like they even no, show he, the dad they, has
0: business. That's all. But That's they
1: all show says. they show him in the, the uh, living in an apartment. I thought. I know it true? doesn't make any sense.
0: Okay. I I talk about I have that in my dumb shit. Like okay. You're, but you're uh, anyways. You're, you're spoiling so the
1: homeward bound. They're getting home. They have to go,
0: but they have they're to. They're go. going home. <laughs> they're homeward.
1: They're going over a mountain range apparently, and like they you know, they dogs and cats have a sixth sense of where they're going. This, this, this part of it is actually kind of true. Like there are stories of dogs go, go, going hundreds of miles to find their home. Um, but what they have to go through is treacherous wilderness and they run into porcupines. They run into wild cats. They run in, I don't know if they run into a bear. They probably do. Um, they do, but it's just like their adventure of getting home and, and then like on their near the end of when they're getting home, they they get captured by um, by a dog catcher and they capture the, the dog. No. And the,
0: is this not true? No, but it's what, funny. I mean, if you want to keep guessing what, what happens when they get captured, who gets captured? There's some there's some little girl and lost in the woods and they oh. go and like protect her and then the like search and wildlife people find the little girl and they see the dogs and they recognize them from the flyer mm. that's being distributed distributed around yeah. and they put the dog in a holding cell until the family can come pick them up but yeah. chance gets convinced that they're being thrown in the pound and so they break out of the holding cell
1: yep and like the family's going to meet them there that's right but they get out just in time before the family gets there and and, you know, the family's so excited. They found the, the pets that have been lost and, and then they get home and that's it. That's really it. How many,
0: how many times do you think you've seen this movie?
1: I've seen it like probably at least 20 and, okay. but I don't worry this, you know, that it's one of those movies too, though. I will watch like the first hour and I'd never finish the last 30 minutes.
0: You, you say that about like every movie, just so you know, like that's you, fair. you don't, you don't feel the need to see it through to the end, which I kind of respect about you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't need to see this movie. I mean, you're right. I didn't miss a lot of the plot of what's going on, but like, it's really about some pets that are going home
0: and, and it's it, like they're homeward bound.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're, and they have to go through some trials and tribulations on their way. Like it's, it's a very basic plot. I mean, it's, it, it, this movie's based on a book and an, an older Disney
0: movie. Um, I hate so. the term tribulations. When else do you ever hear anybody use the word tribulations unless it's before trials? <laughs> I
1: don't know. It's trials and tribulations. I don't know.
0: It's just like a word I don't know. It sounds stupid. Like you never use the word tribulations any other time. Why should we use it now? I I don't know. I just, it's it's like, trials and hardships. It's like just a, say trials.
1: It's like a uh, it's a Christian word. It's a word that you use. A, I use a lot in like youth group. Like oh. trials and tribulations.
0: I was raised pagan, sacrificing goats to the dark lord. That makes so, that admit. makes
1: sense. Um so that was my bad yeah. synopsis, and it was a lot shorter than last week's uh version of Speed. So um, be happy. Yeah,
0: it was short. Yes. <laughs> As it should be. Um,
1: it did not walk yeah, you through did not walk you through every inch of that movie, <laughs> which would have been really boring. <laughs>
0: So thank you for Brennan's synopsis. Um, let's get into the characters a little bit. The the star of this movie is Michael J. Fox as Chance, the young boxer. They keep referring to him as a pup. We don't really know how old he is. He's probably somewhere between one and two. He's just a young dog, but he's fully grown. Um, at this point, we knew Michael J. Fox from Family Ties, the TV show. Obviously, the Back to the Future franchise. He was in the movie Secret of My Success and Teen Wolf at the time. Uh-huh. So Chance is a rescue dog. He's been adopted into this like happy, loving, perfect American family. I was going to say Brennan and I were like the exact same ages of these kids, somewhere between like the the middle girl and the oldest son. Mm-hmm. And our parents are like the exact same ages of the parents too. So this was kind of like our family. And you even had three kids in your household. So you were really close.
1: We did. Yeah, we didn't each have our own pet though. Uh-huh. No, but
0: in this movie, each kid has their own pet, and yep. Chance belongs to Jamie, who's the cute little five-year-old boy. Jamie is so much cuter than those other two kids. He like those other two kids seem adopted to me. <laughs> like they probably grow up hating Jamie um, for getting all the looks. Uh, like I said, Chance Chance is a pup emotionally, and kind of his role in the movie is he has to learn how to be a dog. And when I say that, I mean the good family loyal dog that loves his family more than anything and will die for his family. And that, that's why we love dogs. Right. Cause they, a lot of them like really are like that. They are just like, so in love with their families. And it's, it's so um, heartwarming as a human to see that kind of loyalty and dedication. It's what we want from our fellow humans, but we don't really get it. Mm-hmm. So we get it from dogs mm-hmm. and chances Chance's youthful exuberances and his naivete are are pretty much the funniest parts of the movie. And we've got a clip here that's right when he gets to the farm and he meets, he's chasing all these chickens and then he sees a turkey. Whoa, you sick or what? Hey, bath toys. Oh, oh, that's cold. Come on, come on, come on. I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to chew on your neck. Whoa, what was that? Uh Whoa, what a pig! Hey, what happened to your fur? Uh, excuse me, excuse me, but I need a uh, new chicken monitor here. Hey, you gotta fix this dog door, it's a little small. Ah, I'm afraid I may have left a very important phone around here, and uh... Here we go! <laughs> <laughs> what the...? Help! It's Birdzilla! I swear I'll never eat him me
1: I really love Michael J. Fox's, uh, lines in this movie. He's, it it is the funniest part of it. Like I could do without shadow and his annoying, like, like wisdom, the entire movie, but like Michael J. (laughs) Michael J. Fox makes this movie and it's not, it's not even close.
0: (laughs) I, I felt that way when I was a kid, I felt like shadow was kind of like the old boring, like Leonardo from Teenage (laughs) Mutant Ninja Turtles was like, come on guys, we gotta go train. But then when I rewatched it as an adult, I, I appreciate Shadow more because he does remind me of like a good old loyal dog <laughs> that only cares about the family. And he's really just trying to teach chance how to be a dog. And I remember when you you when you got your second dog, Betty, one of the reasons you said you got Betty was so that Captain could show her the ropes. Your your older dog Captain. And like Shadow is showing Chance the ropes.
1: Yep. Um dogs don't really do this, but it's, it is true. That's what, you know, we, you, like I, I often think like dogs, like want a, a friend. Um, But I mean, I don't think that's how dogs actually work. I don't think they teach each other how to act. Betty definitely like captain did not rub off on Betty at all, unfortunately. So that's too bad because captain was like, perfect. Captain was like, captain was like a shadow. Like he was like a chill shadow who was like, just wanted to like, just chill out and just bark sometimes and then this lady Betty
0: Betty's more like that squirrel from Ice Age.
1: Be, Betty like bit someone the other day. So, she's a problem. Did they deserve it? Yeah.
0: Well, she's okay. she's I'm super cool. I
1: will say she's super protective. Like she loves all of us and she will like attack anyone that she doesn't know. So, which well, is I like, like that. that. I like
0: I like when things attack other things.
1: Yeah. it's she's very protective. She's a protective
0: dog. And I like biting thing. I like when dogs bite people I don't like. I think it's funny. Um, so we got to address this. Um, one of the reasons I have a tough time rewatching this movie Mm. is because I know that Michael J. Fox has already been diagnosed with Parkinson's at this point in his life. Mm. And you, you can't hear it in his performance or anything, but I just know it. And it like gets in my head a little bit. Oh, really? And it's, it's really sad. Like, uh, Fox was diagnosed with Parkinson's at only age like 30 which is incredibly rare to get it that young. And for a man who's, who had the the world in the palm of his hand, you know, mm. to get such a, a crippling illness at such a young age is just, and I just find it so incredibly sad to this day. I find it sad. Mm. Um, he'd been, he had been told when he was diagnosed that he had maybe 10 good working years left. So he quickly signed like a three movie deal that included secret of my success. I think it included life with Mikey and something else. Mm. Um, But like magic Johnson with HIV, Fox became a little bit of the poster child for Parkinson's um, in the nineties. I would say I was a kid that had big time hypochondria, like my whole life. Like I was convinced I had everything growing up like this, that or the other. I was convinced I did something to get it. Mm. So I was like, I was always like, and I'm actually still pretty worried about getting Parkinson's. It's something that never really left my conscience. Like I just, it's, it's just one of those illnesses that really scares me. And, and actually my boss was diagnosed with Parkinson's about two years ago. Now mm. he was in his early sixties and, you know, I'm watching him go through it now, I, I, watching him deal with it. And it's, I don't know, it's just one of those illnesses that I, I have a tough time believing that, god should allow you know what i mean like is it like if you're god and you do exist like show up and eliminate parkinson's and als and ms and cancer and get rid of some of these fucking things dude they're just awful
1: a quick aside and i a friend of the show justin owens who you've worked with on some of your uh like i think he helped out with manhandlers or man out and uh yeah his grandfather had parkinson's and his grandfather actually went through a procedure where they implanted these uh these basically the things that stimulated deep tissue in your brain and he actually was a success story where he could ha- he had this device like put into his like brain basically and he- it would get rid of his tremors completely and like um and like but you would then you could turn off the device and it would then he would his park his tremors would come back and yeah. but he was like a success story and he lived for like about f- 17 18 years with with uh parkinson's and and you and i've and i met him at the end of his life and you would never have known that he had parkinson's um so well, there
0: well, that, that's inc- that's encouraging
1: yeah so there are there's definitely things you that there's no cure there's no cure for parkinson's yet but there are ways to to work to, to mitigate to, it to mitigate it yeah um, but it is really sad well, that's like, good
0: you know justin's a cool guy and i hope that helped his grandfather find some relief um yeah. Michael J. Fox has had it for what 32 years already. Yeah. And uh, he's he's going to keep fighting it. Um but he he had to retire from acting, you know, quite a while ago mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. He's done some things here and there. But uh, anyway, we yeah. just want to address that real quick. Uh the next character I want to talk about is Sally Field as Sassy. Most of you know Sally Field from Mrs. Doubt, Fire and Forrest Gump. She was also in Smokey and the Bandit um which was really popular in the 70s and it's probably kind of what really kickstarted her career so sassy is a himalayan cat who isn't overly fond of chance in the beginning of the movie she's cool with shadow because shadow's kind of quiet and chill and she belongs to hope the kind of sweet little middle girl child and sassy uses her cunning rather than her brute strength or determination like a dog so you get to see the way a dog and a cat solve problems differently and and her her voice acting reflects, you know, uh, what a cat might think or do, pretty ac- pretty accurately in terms of what humans believe anyway. I, I, who like you said, who the fuck knows what dogs and cats are thinking? <laughs> right. But it's what we assume. Right. And uh, she does a good job in this movie.
1: Cats? Sassy, you just woke me up from a very deep cat
0: nap. What's the matter, Sassy? You get up on the wrong side of the litter box? Even a very great beauty needs her beauty sleep. Beauty sleep? You'd have to sleep for like a month. Oh, you are such a typical dog. <laughs> Indeed.
1: She's, she's sassy. Like they, all these dogs, like they, they represent who they are in their names. It's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's funny how how that works. I mean, uh, not how it works, but like I feel like it's often the the case with pets. Like you always name your dog something and it they become that like they beca- encapsulate that basically uh epitomize it um and i uh but she there's not really much to say she's just she's a brat she's a, a bratty cat and but she helps but she definitely helps them out throughout the the journey she helps them catch fish because like the dogs can't do it and like she definitely makes herself very useful uh in in the movie
0: yeah she's a good character i uh, of got no problem with sassy she's funny too um she's not as funny as chance but she's second funniest yeah and uh <laughs> the last character the last character is uh don amici as shadow don amici uh was one of the old misery men in trading places which is a really great 80s comedy if you haven't seen it hmm. uh, he was also one of the the old dudes in cocoon that finds new life through those alien pods in the retirement home swimming pool which is a pretty underrated movie. The first cocoon is pretty good. And don amici was a, a pretty active TV star in the 50s through the 70s. Mm. Um Shadow is like brennan said, he's the loyal old golden retriever. Uh Shadow belongs to Peter, who's like sort of like the prepubescent oldest son who's struggling with the idea of a new stepdad being around. Shadow cares more about his boy Peter than anything else in the world, which is probably the sweetest part of the movie is like how shadow views his role with his dog or with his how shadow views his role with peter which is it's his job to protect peter it's his job to make him feel better when peter's sad and nuzzle him when he feels alone and like he he gives a little speech like that at some point it's really it's really sweet their relationship is is really sweet and it's what everybody wants to have with their dog The whole journey is sort of predicated on Shadow wanting to be closer to Peter. That's what Vernon messed up in the synopsis. It's Shadow who misses Peter and thinks something was off. So he rallies the troops and says, "No, we're going to go find our kids. Um, Don Amici was like 84 at the time of recording this voice. And he actually passed later that year in in December 1993. So Mm -hmm. luckily, I believe he got to see the movie because he was alive for the last like nine months or for nine months after the release or so. But um he did pass away later that year and don amici i should should point out he he actually won an oscar in 1986 for best supporting actor in cocoon mm. um and i I watched that award show briefly when i was researching this podcast and I, I i wish i remembered who else was there but it was like a who's who of like best actor awards there was one guy i didn't recognize but everyone else was like a total stud mm. and don amici won anyway
1: that's awesome. I mean, of, it's probably one of those awards that like, I mean, I don't know, like I can't speak to who else was nominated, but like, I feel like a lot of actors when, who win Oscars later in life is because they deserved it earlier in life and they like find a way to, to give it to them. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't really know much about Donna Amici other than, other than this. Um, I have seen Cocoon, but I don't really remember it. And I've only seen like Trading Places like, a couple of times. Um, but I, I know, I know it's a, I know it's a classic though.
0: Okay, so uh, we do have a a good clip here of Shadow kind of being Shadow. Oh man, what are you waiting for? They're not coming back. That just shows you how little you know. Well, it's happened before to me. People use you and lose you. Shame on you for betraying your boy. Me betray him? Who ditched who? I mean, not that I care. I can get along just fine without him. How dare you call yourself a dog? A cat would know better. Dogs are supposed to be faithful, loyal, and true.
1: What does that mean to be true? I understand faithful and loyal, but what does it mean to be true? Like I'm, I'm faithful, loyal, and true.
0: I think it means, and this is just my opinion. I think it means true to your emotions. Mm. Like if you love the dog, if you love your boy, you're supposed to express love. If you feel danger, you're supposed to warn the boy. Mm. To be true means like. To be yourself hundred percent all the time, and dogs have these great natural instincts, you mm. know, to protect, to protect the pack. Yeah, and I believe that's what he means, but I mean that's just my opinion. If you, uh, that, that, I like that. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um. And the rest of the cast is kind of forgettable. Robert Hayes plays the stepdad. Some people remember him from Airplane. He was also in the movie Cat's Eye. Um, Jean Smart is the rancher lady that they leave the pets with who fucks up her job of protecting them. She was in the Brady Bunch movie and she was a TV actress for a while. Is there anyone else?
1: I, there's not really anyone else. I mean, the, I will say that it is weird that the, the most notable like supporting role is Jean Smart because I know, I know we only usually talk about nineties roles, but like she just won an Emmy for her, uh, recent show that she was on uh it's a it's on hbo i forget what it's called but but she's also like she's just pop. she's popped up in movies in tv shows for the last like 30 years and this has to be pretty early on in her career i'd imagine but i, I but yeah she's been a working actor for a really really long time yeah um, she's
0: gotten a lot of work and a lot of stuff it's usually little stuff but she's good she's the really like slutty horny Neighbor to the Brady Bunch in the Brady Bunch movie, uh, the mm-hmm. the satire version from 1995, But I think she's pretty funny in that.
1: And she has a pretty good bit part in uh, Garden State, but yeah, it, it, but yeah, there's no one else in it. It's all it's all based around these these dogs and their and the pets. the voice actors. Yes, the pets. Thank you, God.
0: Um, so let's get into some scenes, Brennan.
1: The opening of this movie is a really good scene. It is it really just lays the groundwork for all of the, the characters and who they are as, as pets. And in it, and it shows like they, and it, it, it's a wedding and it's the hijinks that happens. And, but it it's a it lays the groundwork, like I already said, but it's, there's like, but that's really it for like character showing the characters. And then like the best scenes are when they're in the forest. Like there's a lot of this fun hijinks that happens.
0: They, they encounter all these animals, like Vernon said, um, you know, chance like chance like fucks with a bear at one point and he tells him to go find some porridge which i thought was funny and uh the opening quote we did was when chance finds a porcupine and he bites him with his butt according mm-hmm. to chance which is a great line they have to cross a river and sassy can't swim and so like sassy gets swept away and goes down a waterfall and gets saved by this crusty hermit guy that lives out in the woods as a bird watcher and somehow sustains life and has no property taxes and then they uh they find a mountain lion at one point and th- this is a great scene because the mountain lion's hunting chance and shadow Sep- sassy's separated from them at this point but but chance and shadow have to kind of outwit this mountain lion Run, Run! i'm such a wimp i'm running from a cat i won't tell if you won't of course, course this is your ordinary house cat I mean, this is like Arnold Schwarzenegger. The kitty. That line's still good, um, I think. Arnold Schwarzenegger was like my favorite actor growing up, and this is this giant, buffed-out mountain lion. It's a good line. The way they blended dog perspective with, like, 90s pop cultures, it's good. It's good writing, I think.
1: No, it really is. Like, it, there are a lot of good calls that, like, pop culture in it, and, uh, yeah, it, that scene is, keeps you, like, when you're a kid watching it, like, it kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat and like you don't want to like I'm pretty sure when Ivy when I watched it with my kids the first time a couple of years ago Ivy's like like peeking like through her blanket the whole time
0: oh my god Ivy's so sweet but what a wimp she was afraid of that she's got it scared and elbow bowed
1: yeah when you mentioned the 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 girl in this movie I was just like man that really fits Ivy like Ivy like needs a cat like she's a total cat person the little girl in this movie like totally reminds me of of Ivy.
0: Well, that is cute. Um, And then we, we talked about when the, the pets save the little girl who's lost in the woods. And uh, the search and rescue people find the little girl, thanks to Shadow, who starts barking at them from afar. And the dad is like, what is it, boy? And he, like, decides to follow Shadow into the woods deeper. And then he comes across as, like, little girl. And so they're, like, trying to thank the pets. And they thank them by throwing them into a holding cell. And Chance kind of has some PTSD about being in a pound, which he had mentioned earlier that he had come from the pound and been adopted into this family, and he knows that the pound is a bad place. They never really get into what could possibly happen to pets in the pound, but they definitely play dark music and dark tones whenever he's talking about the pound. Like It's very clear that y- if you're a pet, you're a stray pet, you don't want to end up in the pound for right. reasons we won't get into because it's a Disney movie, but we all know the real reasons.
1: Yeah, and I'm now I'm remembering that that scene or that that time when they're in where they're getting held and like what kind of starts them from like needing to get out is that chance like is in like a doctor's room and and they're trying to take out the porcupine like needles and the quills yeah and like and that's I think what he's like that's when they like start when i think that's when they get out or that's what starts the process of them getting out
0: yeah you're right shadow shadow hears chance screaming he's like they're torturing him sassy and sassy saves the day somehow she she sort of tricks this big fat guy into falling over and opening the door It, it gets a little home alone for a second where like there's these adult buffoons who can't do anything right and the dogs and cats
1: <laughs> like, they're, like they're like trying to capture uh cat capture them with their arms and they're like slowly like going oh going through their legs it's, it is really dumb
0: pretend to do all this physical humor which is great for radio
1: great for podcasts it's it's exactly yeah. what you want to hear the,
0: the best sweetest part of the movie is really the very end um where they're almost home and they're like crossing these like train tracks or something and like it's really muddy and for some reason there's this horrible really like not very well built pit like for some reason there's this giant pit near the train tracks that has like a false false floor on it that's obviously not very strong because the weight of a fucking golden retriever who can't weigh but like 50 pounds maybe 60 pounds breaks through and poor Shadow like tumbles down like 10, 15 feet down into the bottom of this mud pit. And he's laying on his side, and they do like real dog noises. Like, <laughs> like, you could tell he's like hurt. It's like, oh God, what happened to Shadow? You're so close to home. Not now, Shadow. <laughs> you know? And, yeah. And like, Shadow tries to climb out, but he's like hurt. He's like limping and he's like, you guys just go on without me. I'm not going to make it. And Chance, who's been like kind of like this immature little shithead the whole movie, he's like, he like leaps down into the mud pit all brazenly. He's like, no, Shadow, like you got me this far and I'm going to get you the rest of the way. So you pull your head out of your dog ass and like, let's go see the kids, you know, and then it like and but Shadow like gives up. He can't make it. Then it sort of cuts away to the family. Yeah. And the family's waiting there and they're all playing. They're trying to go about their life like nothing happened, even though all their pets just like vanished before their eyes like a couple times they're like trying to move on without their pets like a day later and uh they're out playing basketball or something and jamie hears chance barking and lo and behold chance like starts like running towards them and they're just like oh chance oh my god what a beautiful reunion and then you hear like oh, and then like sassy comes running over this grassy hill towards them, like oh my god sassy what a beautiful reunion number two and then it was like oh <gasps> Like looking at the shadow, Noah waiting for Shadow. You know, like, oh, is he coming? Is he coming? Then, like, then he doesn't come. And the son, Peter, is like, God damn it, he's just too old. He's too old. And you think that's the end? You think Shadow's lying dead in that fucking mud pit until? Peter. Shadow. Oh, Peter, I worried about you so. Oh, I'm so Get happy. Of- I like
1: you all the time. I missed you. I missed
0: you, Peter, and I love you. <laughs> well, well, um... are <laughs> and I are getting all fucking misty-eyed.
1: Yeah, I, I... When I was cutting this clip earlier, I was just like, oh my god, I... am crying, and I don't want to be, and I... It, it, you know, but it's just—it is very heart tugging, like you, because you—you know that Shadow's gonna survive, like you know he's gonna come up over that hill. But like, but when it happens, it's just like you just lose it, uh, and uh, and and yeah, and I was like, and I was like crying. I'm like, I'm starting to cry right now. Jesus, um,
0: he's like bubbling like a little. I don't, like and
1: it's—it's it's like it is weird. It is it dog movies and like dogs like. You know, I, wiping his tears. Yeah, and shit. Dogs dying in movies like does it doesn't really happen. Like I think it's actually like something something Hollywood does, where like they will not kill animals in movies, and it's just like it gets you every time. Like I in any movie where a dog you know survives and comes back to the family, like it just makes me you know so happy. Like uh, we'll probably do this movie eventually, but like Dante's Peak, have you? There's a there's a dog in the movie, but the dog like escapes the the lava flow and like but it you think the dog has died but it like it just emerges miraculously like it does that kind of stuff um but uh hey you know our friend john goodwin's in dante's p oh really he's an extra that's yeah. awesome um but yeah that scene is this it really it gets me every time and it doesn't, it doesn't matter when it is like i could just watch that scene right now and it just makes me cry so
0: I really want to like rag on Brennan for this, but when I was pulling the drops, I was totally weeping up like a little bitch too. So like, <laughs> I, I I can't really criticize too much. I lost my dog about six months ago. And just like the idea of my dog coming back to me and jumping in my arms. Oh yeah. Oh, like heaven. Yeah. It, it, That's what people say in heaven, right? Doll dogs go to heaven. It's is a weird movie. Won't get into that. But yeah. <laughs> like, everyone says dogs should be in heaven because when you envision your perfect place, like filled with, like a lot of, I've heard a lot of like Christians and like, like religious people describe heaven as like, like just pure love mm. and acceptance. And where else do you get that really, except from a dog? That's, you just get like this pure unadulterated love where they just love you so much mm. and you love them. Like it's just, it's so wholesome.
1: Yeah. Uh It's really funny at the end of that when like Peter and, uh, shadow are like they're not talking to each other just but they seem to be like basically communicating which is weird which they can't communicate obviously because if they the dogs could understand the humans they would know that they were coming back to the farm <laughs> but uh, but it, yeah it's a good it's a good ending to this movie um i want to see the cut when shadow dies though
0: yeah it's a much darker movie
1: <laughs> wait for homeward bound 2
0: there is a homeward bound too by the way
1: there is it came out pretty shortly after we'll talk about that in a bit
0: all right so let me get into the production history like we always do uh the movie was directed by dwayne dunham uh he directed little giants check out our little giants episode in our podcast library he did some twin peaks episodes in the 90s like the good twin peaks Um, He directed this movie called Halloween Town, which my wife loves for some reason. It's a really fucking stupid movie. My wife loves this goddamn movie. (laughs) And he directed a bunch of other like TV show one offs over the years. Um, So, you know, he's kind of a kid's movie kind of director. Mm. This was his directorial debut. He had been an editor and an editing assistant for many George Lucas productions, including the original Star Wars and American Graffiti. So he had pretty, pretty good film chops coming into this.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. This would be a weird movie. I mean, like as someone that, you know, you've directed stuff like this would be a really weird movie to direct. Don't you think? Because it's like there's no there's not many humans. I mean, especially
0: it would be fun to direct. Michael J Fox and Donna Meechin Sally Field in the voice studio that oh, would be fun mm-hmm. cuz you'd be pulling their you'd be sitting with them and and trying to get different emotions out of it but but going out in in the woods and like shooting dogs and cats like trying to go from A to B and stuff like uh, it's it's more of a it's it's more of a challenge of patience than it is like direct directorial chops because you're trying to get these very well-trained animals to do exactly what you want them to, but of course they're not going to do exactly what you want them to do. So you, you need to be a little flexible with how each shot goes. And you're, I feel like it's largely procedural. Like we got to get the dogs running from a to B in this shot and mm. we got to get them looking up a tree in this shot. You know what I mean? Like I, I just feel like they're probably tricking the animals into doing what they need to do a lot. So it's not so much of a director as it is a coordinator, mm. I would say for those, but, but the humans is always fun. And, um, Anyway, so this movie's based on a novel by Sheila Burnford, who unfortunately died about 10 years before the movie came out. So she did not know about this, but her family, I'm sure, made a pretty penny off of it. They gave the human family in Homeward Bound her last name of Burnford in her honor, which was kind of cool. A little tip of the cap to the author of the book. And then the screenplay was written by Caroline Thompson, who we just talked about in our Edward Scissorhands episode. Check out Edward Scissorhands episode. Uh, She also wrote, she wrote Edwards' Ranch. She also wrote Adam's family. Check out our Adam's family values um, episode. She wrote corpse bride. She wrote nightmare before Christmas. Check out our nightmare before Christmas episode. In short, we love Caroline Thompson. (laughs) She writes all these movies that we were obsessed with. Right.
1: Yeah. I was going over the notes. I was just like, we're doing another movie with her in it. Like it's, it is crazy how many movies she's a part of and doing, uh, doing the writing for
0: She's a fucking stud. I hope to meet her one day and like shake her hand and tell you like, you're awesome. Like great work. I I aspire to be half as cool as you. Mm. Um, There was additional writing in the, in the movie by Linda Wolverton who wrote beauty and the beast, both versions. She wrote Aladdin, lion King, Mulan, and Mm. she wrote the Tim Burton, Alice movies um, that came out like in the early 2010s. So Linda Wolverton's pretty, pretty accomplished as well. Yeah, and then there was cleanup writing, which I want to talk about, by Jonathan Roberts, who did cleanup writing or uncredited writing in The Lion King, Once Bitten, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and Monsters Inc. A cleanup writer is sort of like it's been described to me as like a closer, like they come in either during production or maybe even post-production to kind of fix some lines or some little things that just aren't translating just right either because the actors didn't get it right or because there was a conflict with how the writer wanted it versus how the production set up the scene or whatever. And he kind of comes in and just tweaks things just a little bit. It's always been a little curious to me why they don't use one of the other screenwriters, but I think ego and attachment, too much attachment might have something to do with Mm -hmm. it. They might be able to just hire this cheap little maid service cleaner writer to come in late and just tweak a few little things. But anyway, that's what a, that's what like a cleanup writer is in there they actually get paid pretty well for the amount of work they do comparatively to other screenwriters who spend months pining over these fucking scripts. And, um, it seems like a good, that seems like a good gig. How do you get into that? Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, well, there's not that many, they don't have to work very often when they get a gig. So there's, there's not a ton of these guys and they all just mm. kind of rinse, recycle and repeat. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: So anyway, uh, and now let's get into Brennan's favorite part of the show. Doom so, shit! Brennan spoiled this when we fucked up the synopsis, but I wanted to talk about it. What the fuck is the family doing in San Francisco exactly? They're gone like two weeks, and they go through the trouble of putting all their kids into school there? Jamie even gets cast in a play. And where's the honeymoon, you cheap ass? Yeah, I, it doesn't make... I mean, I, the plot
1: doesn't make much sense, obviously, what, the, what they're doing, like... But they had to make the dogs pets chase after him. Um, So I guess... It, but it's still, yeah. It, it, the family in the second movie does end up in San Francisco, which is where they were at partially during this movie. But yeah, it doesn't make any... It, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, they could have took the dogs with them, I, I'm guessing. And I... Yeah. But San Francisco
0: is such a dog friendly city. But by the way, like I live in the Bay Area. They fucking love dogs here. There's dog provisions. Everyone has a goddamn bullshit service animal note so they can have their (laughs) illegal pit bulls in my apartments. Like it's it is so pro dog here. Like it wouldn't have been any problem at all. I think the asshole stepdad just hated the dogs.
1: Mm. Yeah, I want to know that backstory of like why. Yeah, he was he was a sadist. Maybe he was like maybe he was allergic, you
0: know. Well, the other thing that's dumb is their ranch lady friend, Jean Smart, she like promises she gets down on one knee and makes an extra special promise to hope that she's going to take care of these pets for her. (laughs) She's so sincere about it. She's like, yes, ma'am, I'll take care of your pets. You can count on me. So she gets the pets and she has them for like a fucking day. And then she doesn't even do a proper handoff with the pets to her neighbor. She's got to go on some fucking cattle drive or whatever. And she doesn't even give, she didn't even take the time to drive the pets over to her neighbor's house. She just leaves them in her house with like a dog door or whatever. And the pets are home alone and they freak out and they leave. And then the neighbor comes while Gene Smart's out hoeing around. And he just assumes that like the pets went with her. So he doesn't do anything about it. So the pets have like a weak head start on everybody before anyone even knows they're gone because Gene Smart fucked up
1: dogs get out all the time if if a dog wants to run away a dog will run away we used to. my family used to have a dog that would just run away all the time like he it was because he he was a horny dog and he wanted to go have go have sex and so we'd run away and find a, a dog to have sex with and like that's why a lot of people neuter their dogs is because like it will get rid of their you know want to to run away sure. But it also, urges. but it will, I will say it does get rid of their like some of their personality.
0: So while I'm shitting on this doggy sitter, I just want to take a quick moment to tell you all that I had the best doggy sitter in the fucking world is mm. a young lady named Thais, who was um, the daughter of one of my coworkers. And she watched me and my wife's dog, Jasmine, pretty much for free, like whenever we wanted for weeks at a time, like. Like just because she loved my dog, she's she's told me to stop paying her at one point because she loved my dog too much. She didn't deserve the money. She, we asked her to babysit our dog like forty-two times. She said yes like thirty-nine of them. Wow. And like she, like her and my dog were like friends. And she would ask if my dog could stay extra days with her and have sleepovers and shit. And we just thought it was the cutest thing in the world. Like we would take our dog over to Taisha's house and be like. You're going to go see your friend, Thais, Jasmine. We'd pet her and we'd send her with like treats and stuff. And even though she asked not to be paid, I'd always give her whatever cash I had on hand just because she was doing us such a service. And we just, we just loved this girl. Thais was the best doggy sit in the world. So if you're in the Bay area and you need like a legit doggy sitter that will take care of your dog. Like I know somebody, but she's not going to do it for free for you. She's like the most valuable baby doggy sitter around. So reach out to the show at <laughs> Brothers at gmail.com. Uh,
1: um, I, I should say too, I we have a really good doggy sitter. Um, not my, as good as mine. It's not, it's, it's built in and it's, uh, but Betty, our chihuahua, she was born of uh, Abby's sister had two chihuahuas and they had sex and they made babies and we got one of the puppies. And now we just have like, we have, uh abby's sister to take betty to whenever we want to that was like part of the deal of taking betty um is that we always get like babysitting what, when, what we, with, when do we need to go is out it of town
0: chihuahuas and pit bulls, where nobody fucking spays and neuters them like you go to the pound it's all fucking chihuahuas and pit bulls.
1: yeah i mean it was definitely accidental but they had two purebred you know chihuahuas and they just they just didn't do it and they you know it happened and and then they got dogs, so it wasn't. They didn't do it on purpose, though. It wasn't like they were trying to like breed like chihuahuas. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's. A, it, I think there's just a lot of them, and so they just they get out and they they always end up in in the pound.
0: People that weren't watching prices right, not listening to Bob Barker. <laughs> yes, yeah, spay and neuter your dogs. Yeah, pit bulls and chihuahuas, man. Fucking spay and neuter those goddamn things. They're <laughs> everywhere. Um. So the other thing I wanted to say was dumb was the bird watching hermit guy that rescues sassy from the river he's way too normal looking and likable like have you ever seen these mountain people that like live up in the hills away from the government and all that like those people are they're like always really hairy and and too and they don't have teeth and they look like hills have eyes people and like this guy is like pretty much normal looking, and he's a bird watcher, and he's sweet, and he doesn't have a foul la- foul mouth, and he doesn't smell bad, and he like takes care of sassy. It's like those people; those kind of people don't go live in the mountains off the grid. All right, you get fucking like Bigfoot looking dudes.
1: <laughs> I did not even consider that. He just lives in a very like the the house he lived in was like serene. I like it looked like it was this like an amazing place to live. Maybe he was just maybe he was a really rich guy, and he like he just that's where he so, decided so to so go he's live to get
0: contractors out in the middle of nowhere in the mountain <laughs>
1: right <laughs> um why did the dogs run away? that's you know what some dumb shit is like why did the dogs run away from him like it just because they you know, trying to they get didn't, home. home they didn't even even see him oh it was just sassy sassy is the only one that got to hang out with him gotcha
0: yeah and then i mean obviously the mountain lion would probably kill all of them before any of them had a chance to run away like they're like mountain lions are like amazing predators
1: yeah is there no bear scene in this movie
0: no there is it's just not very long like oh, okay. there's these two little bear cubs mm. and um they take one of chance's fish that oh, sassy just caught for him that's right and chance like tells him to like get lost go get some porridge and he chases one of them up a tree and then mama bear shows up and she's like, blah, blah, and they all run <laughs> off with their tail between their legs because is the fucking mama bear you know God. Um, That's funny. So uh, I wanted to say the movie is based on a true story, actually, of animals that escaped the Canadian wilderness to find their own home in 1963. Mm. And, um, I've, I've actually got my own wild pet rescue story from my childhood, if we've got a minute. What do you think? Oh, I want to hear this. So I had a bird, a cockatiel named Sally, who was the sweetest bird. I loved her more than any bird I've ever known because she was so quiet. She didn't chirp all fucking day. I don't like birds that never shut up, but she was a really quiet little gray cockatiel with like orange and pink little cheeks. And she was so cute. And um, with these cockatiels, you literally have to like, take scissors to their wings so that they can't fly now it, you got to be careful because you, you can hurt them if you go too deep but typically if you just cut like just the tips of them they can't fly so one day my mom took sally out of her cage to cut her wings and sally took off and flew out an open window and flew away oh my and god sally was my sally was my bird and i was devastated I loved this bird. I was like maybe seven at the time. Like I had gone and picked Sally out from like the incubator at some little house in like Renton or Seattle somewhere. And she was, when we got her, she was like, you know, the size of an egg. She had just been hatched. Like a couple weeks ago, she was so cute. And I'd raised her from like this little tiny thing. And Sally and I were just close. She was my bird. She was my pet. Like, like chances, Jamie's dog, Sally was Adam's bird. Mm. And I cried and I was sad and like my mom felt awful and mm. anyway we thought she was gone like she's just this little harmless cockatiel that can't defend herself out in the real world right mm-hmm. so like 3 days later my mom's at work and the neighbor calls and says like Cindy like are you did you lose your bird cuz <laughs> he didn't know and there, and my mom's like yeah and he's like like your bird is on is on your fucking roof right now. And it's getting attacked by crows. (laughs) And my mom was like, oh my God. And so Dennis, who I'm friends with on Facebook now, I'll give a quick plug to Dennis Moen. Dennis had a ladder and he put it up on our two story house and climbed up our house, chased off the crows. And like Sally survived somehow. She defended herself against these fucking crows for long enough until Dennis could grab her and she was like so scared and timid, she just let him grab her because you know she was trained as well as a bird can be. Mm. And Dennis grabbed her and put her in like a little shoebox or something until my mom rushed home and found her. And I came home from school and I had like this reunion, like Peter and Shadow did. <laughs> like I could not believe this bird was alive. Like we were convinced this bird was fucking dead. Like, cause how does this bird survive? <laughs> she didn't go very far. She went to our fucking roof and hung out for three days fighting off fucking crows. So miracles happen people is what i'm getting at and thank you again dennis moen
1: that's so funny your reunion with the bird uh if you ever if you've ever lived in a neighborhood you've probably seen like uh someone putting out or putting up signs for their missing animal and like i oh whenever yeah, and some, your first thought
0: is oh they're dead yeah,
1: they're like oh you lost your your, your bird I'm sorry that bird's gone <laughs> i never i've dead. never heard of a dog not a dog a bird like being found it, so probably what happened is the bird flew out of your house and just flew on your roof right it was there all yeah, the it, entire time obviously it didn't go very far <laughs> <you know? laughs> Oh <laughs> yeah! All you had to do is go look outside your house.
0: <laughs> no, I mean we did. No, no, that's, yeah, what, that's yeah. the weird. I don't, I don't know what happened. That's funny. I, I like to think, I like to think that Sally flew to the mountains, and then like sensed me in her little sixth sense and flew back. And the fucking window was closed, so she just hung out on the roof. And then these bitch ass crows came to eat her. Oh man! And luckily the neighbor saw and like rescued her.
1: Homeward Bound Three yeah <laughs> lost, sally and lost Adam's on room. the
0: roof <laughs> <laughs> bird on a hot tin roof oh, man. Uh, um, that's so great. um yeah do you have any pet reunion stories that can rival that
1: no well, i never the, the the dog that always ran away from us like always would come home or we'd find it and uh uh and but I never like was like my mom was always really so my mom probably has a hundred stories of that. I do. There is a sto- funny story. When we lived in Chicago, my mom had a, a girls' weekend at the at our house, and w- me and my brothers, and my dad were camping. But they, my mom and her friends, must have got kind of drunk, and uh, and Rosie, Judy, <laughs> Rossi, our dog, like would run away, and it was I guess it was a dark night, and. Well, it was a dark night. It was a fucking night. Uh,
0: but it was a dark and stormy night. But Rossi
1: <laughs> Rossi had to go outside, and we had a humongous yard in Chicago, and but we didn't have a fence. And the and like one of my mom's friends just like let the dog out, and my mom's like, Ooh, "Let the and, dog." And when out. we got home, Rossi was still gone, and it was like when when it was if Rossi was gone for longer than twelve hours we were always very scared. Um, but you know, we had the reunion. My mom had got the dog, found the dog. You know, we always had name tags on the dogs and numbers. So like they could, you know, call us. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I never, I don't, I don't have one personally,
0: but, um, I rescued a dog one time, uh, some dog from the South Hill made mm. it all the way to Rogers high school. Holy cow. And I saw, it, I saw it on my run one day and mm. it looked so scared and out of place. And I was able to, it was scared. It was scared of me and kind of defensive at first, but I was able to like get close to it. And once I started petting it, it like was fine. And it had a caller that mm. had the vet's name. Mm. It didn't have the human's name, but it had the vet's name. So I called the vet and said, I've got this dog. Can you look into it? And like an hour later, the owner called me like, I don't know how we got there, but we're coming right away. Yeah. So yeah. So that was cool. So the family came and got their dog. It stayed in my house for like an hour. You know, um,
1: Nowadays, all dogs and pets, if they go to the vet, they can get tagged. Like it's a little tag that they like put underneath their skin. And if your dog ever gets, or pet ever gets lost and it goes to like a pound, they scan it and all your information comes up immediately. Um, And so it's, uh, you don't even really need that anymore, but.
0: You do that to your kids, I hear, some
1: people. (laughs) People are starting to do it, Uh, but uh, we haven't done it to Betty. I'm still trying to get that dog to run away.
0: (laughs) Oh, you know, I gotta say, I gotta say one other thing before we close the show. Yeah. Our good fr- our good friend's dog, um, mm. Panama was just diagnosed with bone cancer. Oh gosh. And they're they're amputating his front paw this weekend.
1: Oh wow. And I just
0: wanna say, like, I wish Panama a swift recovery, and that's gonna be hard for our friends. And they're they're gonna give it chemo and try and everything to take care of this dog because they just love their dogs. And I think that's the point of this movie: is that mm. Dogs are part of the family and we do anything for them. And and as much as they love us, I think those of us who are dog or cat lovers, we, we try our best to love them as hard as we can back as much as we can. So we're all crossing our fingers for Panama to fight this illness and to live a live out a good few years.
1: That's 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 very nice.
0: Yeah. So good luck, Panama. Good luck, Panama. Um, uh... So uh, Homeward Bound was 84 minutes, which is just perfect for a kid's movie about pets. It's 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, I mean, it's a good, it's a good movie. Everybody, li- I, I like it. You like it. Yeah, it's good. Who doesn't like Homeward Bound? It's funny. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, if you think we're funny or cute, you can e- you can email the show at super90sbrothergmail.com. You can give those badass, funny and cute five-star reviews at Apple iTunes Music. Fives only, I might add. Leave a little comment about how funny and cute Brennan is. <laughs> Tweet us at super90sbrothers, at Pods with a K, adampitzler.com. Check out my writing. Uh, do you have anything else to say, buddy?
1: I do got one last thing to say. Amazingly, a, a Disney IP is not have any. I, there's nothing saying that this movie is getting remade, rebooted, made into his TV series. Like there's nothing. I, and I and I wanted to say one other thing that I will all, like. It is very strange about this movie is how the voiceover is like the dogs don't talk. Obviously, there's no moving mouths. But like if this movie was made today, it would be CGI. It would be moving mouths. It would be really, really weird. And I think the fact that this movie doesn't have that and it's just like voiceover really, really works well. And I really think if they, they don't really make these type of movies anymore because of animal, like I think animal laws or stuff like that. Just, uh, I'm, this is a really, this movie's timeless and you should definitely go watch it. It's on Disney Plus and yeah, it's a, it's, it's a fun one
0: yeah i agree I, I like the the lack of the animal mouths moving to the word i like it. i prefer that this way yeah um so for Brennan pointer i am adam J. Pitzler. this has been another man's best friend of an episode on super 90s bros homeward bound style and remember if you leave your pets in the hands of others they might just escape into the wilderness and get eaten by mountain lions
1: peace, peace.